Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we unfortunately have a tough Final Four loss to talk about um, in the beginning for Wisconsin volleyball. Just kind of ran into uh, a Texas team that that seemed to you know be in perfect sync, while the Badgers were just kind of out of sync, and unfortunately they were swept in the Final Four um, by those Longhorns. The Longhorns will move on to the National Championship to take on Kentucky. We've got a little bit other news to talk about. We've got a media presser with the wide receiver room, and then at the end of the exercise, we're going to do some trending upward, trending downward. Um, end of the episode, I should say, we're going to do an exercise, trending upward, trending downward, kind of talk about some players that we think are, are moving up, um, some positions that might be moving up in terms of uh, their depth, and also on the flip side, um, maybe some players or positions that are sort of trending downward. We've we've kind of heard um, these media pressers from you know pretty much every position group now, um, so you kind of get an idea of where things are at as spring practice um, gets gets closer to coming to an end. So we'll kind of wrap and, and talk about some of that at the end of the show. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, that uh, that late night into the volleyball season was was a tough. Tough one, but uh, we're here this morning, and we've got some good news, and then obviously we'll we'll touch on that as well. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, thank God it's Friday, but that was an unfortunate um, Thursday evening um, for sure. I know that uh, as we kind of get into the volleyball stuff here, I know that that Elite Eight game was was high stress, but the Badgers got through it and, and survived in five sets. You thought maybe that was there. Um, maybe a game that would kind of wake them up, but unfortunately it, it came out and, and they took on a Texas team that just seemed to have everything working right. You know, I don't think the Badgers played all that bad. They were they were definitely weren't in sync. And again, you know, I, like I said in the podcast before, I'm not any sort of volleyball expert. I'm just saying what what it looked like to me, and it, they they looked a little bit out of sync. But really, it just seemed like Texas was, was maybe a stronger team than they'd gotten credit for. I mean, only one loss for them. Played a little bit more in terms of games um, than the Badgers did. I think Wisconsin really only had 18 coming into that game. So I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but Texas just seemed like a team that um, you know was on a mission, and, and they seemed to get every bounce and, and make every hit and make every pass. And Wisconsin just wasn't as crisp as them at the end. Um, sometimes volleyball, they can that's just the way it goes. And, and three sets later, it was all and done for, which was an unfortunate end. I know they, of course, had had bigger aspirations than than that, but that's how it works in in college athletics. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, especially when you look at how talented this Wisconsin team is. They had seven seniors. It was kind of built for this magical run, and and they made it to the Final Four, which which is incredible in its own right. This is one of the best teams to ever come through the Wisconsin volleyball program. But you're right. Um, similar to you, to my untrained eye. Um, uh, you know, I just play sand volleyball. <laughs> it's that um, I was able to see that just Texas was really good, man. They they came into the season as Wisconsin and Texas were supposed to be the two powerhouse favorites going into the year, and and we saw 
that, hey, Texas in this one had a little bit more firepower and played really, really well. I, I think Wisconsin didn't play their best. But in the end, this, this I think, this the way that this game went was, had more to do with Texas than it had to do with Wisconsin. And it, and it, it was kind of similar to that, uh, that Stanford loss in the championship game where you just saw a team playing at a different level and taking advantage and, and playing really, really well when they needed to. And Wisconsin didn't have – wasn't perfect – they didn't play up to where they had been sometimes this year, but at the same time, I think what they saw from Texas was what a team that's looking to win a national title looks like. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that it was more more Texas than than Wisconsin playing poorly. You know, the the Longhorns just saying. I mean, Brianne Butler in the middle was just uh, an, an absolute beast. They had Asia O'Neill was really good too as well. They just had get you know players that were. You know, hitting the spot, hitting the spots that they wanted to in Wisconsin while trying to hang. I mean, that first set they hung right with them, but unfortunately, you can play all the way 26 to 24, and then you you, you know those two points go Texas away, and they take that first set. And I know you know the the announcers kind of said that this first set is so important because it kind of gets you you know over that hump and gets one on the board. And unfortunately for Wisconsin, it just kind of snowballed from there because because really the first set for them I I think was the strongest, and and then. Texas kind of got some momentum with going wire to wire on that one, and and they never really looked back. They were, you know, you could tell Wisconsin had the energy. It just seemed like Texas had more, and and they were they were hitting all the spots and and, and doing everything right. So you kind of sometimes have to just tip your cap that you came out, you played, you know, probably not your best volleyball game that you played all year, not the best way you wanted to end it, but. Sometimes you got to take your cap and just hey, hey, say hey, that's a that's a good team, and they ran into a team that was just playing their best. And I would have to think going into the the, the national championship game against Kentucky that they if they play like that, they won't have a, a ton of trouble getting through there as well. So I like to compare it to the Stanford game because it's kind of the same thing where I don't think Wisconsin played all that bad. It was just a matter of of, of playing a team that just seemed like they had everything going for them and where we're clicking and firing also on all cylinders. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up that that first set because I think that was the defining moment in mm-hmm. in in it overall. Uh, Wisconsin had had their chances there. I, I specifically remember Texas had a service error, and Wisconsin then kind of had control, and it was like, okay, if they if they can string together two points here, it's theirs. Uh, they weren't able to take advantage of the opportunity. Texas rebounded quickly, and and from there, I, I know you said it kind of snowballed, but yeah, I mean. Texas kind of took control of of everything and and kind of harnessed that momentum that they grabbed in the first and, and ran with it. And really, I think this Wisconsin team, we, we've seen them come out really, really hot early to to take games and to take matches, take sets. And in this one, you saw that there was such long rallies, there was such good volleyball happening, but, but then in like those little moments where it just took that one play that you needed that they got at the end against Florida that Haggerty kind of made or Recky made right at the last moments there, they weren't able to do it. And I think after that first set, it, it, it everything just kind of continued from there and everything went Texas's way. Yeah, so definitely an unfortunate ending um, for the Wisconsin volleyball team. I know they had bigger aspirations. They They certainly had a team that, that that could have gotten to you know a, a national championship and and won it just uh, unfortunately it didn't didn't work out 
uh, the way that they wanted to, and definitely a, a tough ending for all those seniors. You know, such Like you mentioned earlier, a senior-laden team, it seemed like a team that was destined to, and you wonder how if they would have played, not to make you know any sort of excuse, Texas won that game, but you wonder how in a normal season, um, you know, how Wisconsin would have shaken out just not having all those COVID pauses and starts and stops, and uh, of course everybody kind of deals with the same thing, but um, still, for for a lot of them, you know, really strong, great careers, and, and they were a joy to watch. One of the strongest, you know, groups to ever come through, um, you know, Wisconsin volleyball, and, and you know, you got to tip your cap as, as some of them end their careers that way. I know not the way they wanted to end it the last couple of years, but uh, still a really, really talented team that uh, deserves a lot of credit. Yeah, I mean, losing in the Final Four doesn't diminish just yeah. how great this group yeah. was, their careers. I mean, you look at Dana Redke, she's one of the best players that – to ever walk out of volleyball court ever. Um, I mean, she's really, really good, at least at the collegiate level, and she'll have opportunities to play professionally um, if she so chooses. And you look at some of the other seniors, Sydney Hilly, I mean, one of the best setters um, that has come through Wisconsin. Uh, Molly Hagerty, I mean, she never came off the court, really, mm-hmm. this entire tournament. She was just out there, um, and that's indicative of her talent. Uh, so I think you look at this, uh, I mean, Lauren Barnes, even, I mean, the list goes on. I think that they, they should not hang their heads. Um, you, you look at it, they got to a, a national championship and were points away from possibly winning. They, they lost in the final four to a Texas team who could very easily go on and, and win the national title. So this is a really good group. And I think what's nice is you also saw some of the, the youth of this team also played really well. I thought Devin Robinson held her own really well, third-team All-American, and she, she played, you know, even above that against a really talented Texas team. So I think that's something that you could look forward to in the future. I know Kelly Sheffield has been recruiting really, really well. Um, he's shown a willingness to go into the transfer portal and, and bring players in. Um and so I, I think this team should still be good next year. I don't, I don't know if anybody should have aspirations that they're going to be back to the level where they were this year because players like Dana Recchi do not grow on trees. Like that, she is a once in a, a generation type talent. But you look at it right now and Wisconsin's in a, in a good spot moving forward because of the talent that they continue to bring in, um, year in and year out and, and the fact that Kelly Sheffield's still there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I would expect this team to still be a, a team that is, is really talented and, and plays really well and be a ton of excitement next year, like you said. Maybe not uh, as strong as, as having you know, a four-time All-American type player, maybe some growing pains, you know, not having that in there. But uh, really, it, this is a strong program that is just hoping to, to get over the hump, and I'm sure as they continue to recruit well, they'll, they'll get back to that level in, in some regard that way. So tip of your cap to... Kelly Sheffield and Wisconsin Volleyball for that season, and uh, I know it didn't end the way they wanted it to, but they were a, a lot of fun to watch this year and, and throughout their career. All right, moving on down the line here, we've got a little bit of basketball news. Joe Hedstrom um, announces his transfer to Valparaiso, joining Trevor Anderson. So if you're looking for a mid-major team to root for of former Badgers, Valpo is the spot um, to, to go and, and have your rooting interest after two Badgers um, find their new homes there. What do you make of his announcement and him going on uh, to Valpo? I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, heading, taking a step down, going down to the Missouri Valley, I think it's 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 a, a spot that kind of fits him more. Probably would have 
been a, a better fit in the beginning, to, to be perfectly honest, just in terms of his goal is to play meaningful minutes, get playing time. I think that's something that's going to fit him better. I, I think he, he's a kid that when you look at it, um, between him and Trevor Anderson going down there, the, it, it should benefit both them to see playing time, but also probably benefit uh, Valparaiso to, to have some some – Big Ten caliber bounce downs to, to help them out. So I think it'll be fun to, to see what those two can do, uh, especially now that the NCAA has approved that one-time transfer waiver. So they're immediately eligible to play. I mean, Trevor Anderson is a grad transfer. Of course he is, but um, Headstrom now as well. I think best of luck to them. And, and I, I know I'm going to be kind of just watching, seeing kind of what they do because you look, I know at least I do, whenever – guys transfer, you kind of keep an eye on, on mm-hmm. what they're doing. And you can see that players like Ty Strickland, for example, um, hasn't been doing much since. But but it's interesting when players do or don't. And, and that's kind of usually indicative of um, where they fit on your the Wisconsin roster in the first place. So um, hopefully nothing but the best for him. And um, I figured he'd be going closer towards Minnesota, maybe in the Dakotas. But um, I, I think in the end, Valparaiso is a really good fit as well, especially if, with the connection that he already has with um, Trevor Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a spot that will fit well for him. I mean, a seven-footer in, in a mid-major conference, maybe you can make some waves there. Um, you know, I, I like I like the point that you made that you usually when you see a guy go to a place and, and you can kind of tell um, where they fit in their former roster just based on how they're kind of doing, um, you know, at, at the next step that way. And it's certainly something to keep an eye on. But, you know, Joe Hutchman, in the little bit we've seen, um, you know, he, he had some talent in there. And, of course, like I said, he's seven foot tall. And if you go and, and you can get some work and get some more consistent playing time, he could be a player that, that goes on and has a strong career at that mid-major level, so it'll be uh, interesting to watch. You know, he's he's got he's got the abilities and got the talent in there. It's just more, I think, maybe wasn't as clear of a path to, to get consistent playing time at the high, you know, Division One, Big Ten level that way. So for maybe for him to drop down and 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 get a few more minutes and, and try to grow as a player, it, it makes a lot of sense for him. So I'm excited to see what those guys can do. Uh, I'll definitely be checking box scores for uh, for Valpo. Uh, next season just to see where both of those are at. And, yeah, like you said, when, when guys transfer, you always want to keep a note on them and, and wish them the best as they move on to the next phase of their career. Yeah, for sure. And Valparaiso has a, a bunch of kids from Wisconsin that are, are, that are already there. So it, it makes sense. I know they really hit the Twin Cities and Wisconsin areas hard. So it, it, it makes a ton of sense for, for these guys to kind of pop there. And, and hopefully they have great careers in the coming seasons. All right, moving on down the line here, we've got some football. We had another media presser with the wide receiver room. Um, a, a lot of talk in in that one was about the 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 reemergence of uh, of Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. I know both of those guys are kind of excited and hungry and fueled by you know, what last year was. Um, you know, so there was a lot of talk about that. Um, a, lot, a lot of mention of the younger guys, Shimray DK um, and, and Devin Chandler, and you know were some praises sung for both of them. Really, not all that surprising from what we saw of them last year. You you could tell that this they had a chance to be a couple players that would maybe with the spring ball um, and get some reps reps really uh, spring back and and improve their stock overall, which is kind of what we'll get into a little bit later in terms of guys trending upward, but what did you make of, of the wide receiver uh, presser with, with Elvis Witted and, and some of the other guys in the group? 
Yeah, I think the big the big thing most of the conversation, especially with with Danny and Kendrick, was just uh, about them battling last season with concussions. What how that affected the offense and and how that might be different this off season. I know they both mentioned the fact that having spring ball to to not only build like unity together, camaraderie, but also building a rapport with Graham Mertz, giving Graham Mertz an opportunity to see uh, a variety of different situations because you look back to this time last year, the under the expectation was Jack Cohn was going to be your quarterback. Um, so there was a lot that transpired last year, the least of which was both of those guys were your top two wide receivers not being able to play. But um, I, I did think hearing, continuing to hear um, Tim Ray DK, Devin Chandler being talked about is is a positive development for this team because you look at uh, the lack of weapons that were available last year at times, partly because of injuries and COVID concerns. But this year, having a full assortment of weapons for Graham Mertz should help in a lot of ways. And really, I think there there isn't much to take from it other than both of them feel as though um, the offense will be better, more explosive, um, have a chance. I know they mentioned the much higher ceiling. Um, those are those are positive signs. It's until we see it, who really knows? Uh, because I feel everybody is confident about what it's going to look like. But it's but it's it's it is good to hear that that they're healthy and and hopefully they're going to be full goals because they are talented wide receivers that can help them out and they are the best two wide receivers on this roster as of right now. Um, when you put it into it into a, or take into account experience. Yeah, and I, I think it's really important to have that experience. You, know, you talked about it a little bit last episode with just the fact that you look at you've got experience, depth at the wide receiver position, and then you turn to the running back position, and you've got some. You've got Jalen Berger, who's of course a, a guy that is is probably going to be relied on and very talented, but still young, not a lot of depth there. So maybe you're going to throw the ball a little bit more with the, the guys that you feel confident in. So it was good to hear that they're clicking well. The younger guys are, are playing well. So hopefully you've got depth there, but also hopefully you've got um, some guys that can step up. If injuries arise, you know, both Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor, unfortunately, have, have dealt with injuries throughout their career, and you hope that they can get through a full season healthy this upcoming year. But in case of emergency, it's good to have some possible other targets that you feel comfortable throwing the ball to because last year, Chim Radiki definitely emerged for there, and, and Devin Chandler kind of emerged at the end. But a lot of times, you know, Jack Dunn was the primary target um, that, that Wisconsin was having to go with. So to have a little bit more depth and guys that you can um, feel comfortable on, uh, I think is going to be important. But um, really for the, yeah, the, the presser was pretty much mostly those guys kind of talking about that, and then the praises sung for those young guys. So all good things right now, but I like that you mentioned that it's still it's still spring. We've got to wait and see it, but uh, hopefully this Wisconsin offense will will be able to click uh, a lot better than what they did a year ago. Yeah, for sure. And and kind of going off of that, I know um, you know I know that they kind of mentioned last year was difficult as well in terms of the injuries. Jake Ferguson also in his tight end presser kind of you know, laid out the, the difficulties of last year with just the stop and go and not being able to, to be with each other in terms of hanging out and stuff like that. So I think this offense will, will really start to click um, as they get into to next year. But other than that, I, I think that's really all we've got for news. So why don't we go ahead and, and kind of move the football conversation into 
some trending upward, trending downward. Um, now that we've kind of, I think we've heard, like I said, from every position in terms of the media. Um, I was yeah, special teams is today, but I think okay. everything else is, is pretty much been covered for the most yep, part. Yep, so it, it's kind of a good, you know, I know last week you put out kind of the midpoint in terms of where some guys were at on the offensive side and the defensive side. If you guys haven't read that up, go check it out. It's a good recap of everything um, from where they're at right now. But now that you've kind of heard from, Pretty much, you know, 99% outside of special teams. Let we'll, we'll kind of get into who some players are that are trending upward and trending downward. So why don't you go ahead? Do you want to start up or, or down? Um, let's let's go up to All start right. because I've kind of got a natural bridge between um, our conversation with the wider, or I guess let's start down. I should say um, okay. because I I've got a natural bridge kind of between our wide receiver conversation that we just had. Um, and a player that I actually think is is trending down, um, and, and not really due to anything of his own work, but rather of the environment around him and the other players kind of cycling up, is is Jack Dunn. Um, he's a guy who decided to come back for a sixth year. Um, is on the roster. We we haven't heard much about him in in um, spring practice yet so far. We, we've we've heard from Kendrick Pryor. We've heard from. Um, Danny Davis, but and, and we've we've seen some clips of them doing some nice things. We've heard all about Devin Chandler as well as um, um, AJ Abbott, another guy who we didn't talk about in that. Um, and then of course Tim Ray DK. So I mean that's five wide receivers that are getting a lot of publicity, a lot of talking about right now that are, are making waves and and um, should be involved in the offense. And Jack Dunn's a guy who last season was had the most receptions in yards for any wide receiver on the roster. Um, now, partly that was just due to necessity of the fact that Tim Radiki might not have been fully ready to, to take on a huge role. Um, same with Devin Chandler, who really didn't come on until the last four games of the season anyways. And, and Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis going down and only playing two or three games respectively. But Jack Dunn's a kid who's played a, a ton of football and – he, he's a walk-on guy that decided to come back, and I think other people are kind of cycling up and, and pushing his role down a little bit. And so I think people shouldn't expect to see Jack Dunn going out and having similar numbers as to what he did last year and having nearly as big of an impact as he had last year. I mean, he averaged 42.5 yards per game. I doubt that it gets somewhere close to that. He should still have a role probably working in that slot from time to time. He's a pretty good blocker as well, but I, I think the emergence of some of the younger guys um, has, has pushed his his uh, spot in the pecking order down a bit. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that because last week I was I was going through the roster and, and I kind of even forgot that Jack Dunn decided to come back. In all honesty, I, I saw his name on there. I was like, oh yeah, he's back. You just haven't really heard um, a lot from him, and and that's partially with. With this group coming back, you probably won't maybe see as much of him. I think he'll still be a guy that's in the rotation and out there playing. But if, if these young guys are, are playing the way that it sounds like they are and, and really exceeding expectations, and you've got the older guys that are healthy, I just don't know if there's that clear of a path for him to, to have a lot of reps and be out there. But the nice part is with him coming back, if again, you know, if injuries pop up, he is a guy that's played a lot of football, has the experience that you saw them kind of rely on it last year when some of those situations did arise. So it is a good safety net, I think. But in terms of, of yeah, guys going out there, you you've heard about 
really everyone else. Like you mentioned, you you, you know Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor. If they're, if they're healthy, you're going to be out there. You know that the young guys that had emergencies last year with the spring ball were probably going to take a step forward. And then, you know, A.J. Abbott has even, like you said, gotten some praise. So that's that's not a lot of reps. You're not going to see Wisconsin, you know, wide receivers really going six, seven deep. So, um, you know, it, it depends on the role a little bit in terms of where they're at. Jack Dunn's a smaller guy maybe in the slot can get, you know, a little bit more rotation. But um, I, I think that's a great pick in terms of guys that, that might be trending downward just with, um, with the things around them, maybe not really at all their fault. It's just some guys are, are really trending upward, and, and in turn, some guys have to fall down that way. Yeah, for sure. Any any guys that you have uh, noticed that you think are kind of trending down potentially? Yeah, I think I was going to go to the, the cornerback room because we've heard so much about the, the strong play of, of Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram, kind of guys that I expected to be – maybe contending for reps, but, you know, Caesar Williams in, in his part of the presser kind of said, you know, they're looking for that third corner from the sounds of it. Now, of course, it's, it's just kind of speculation. It sounds like those two are our leaders in the clubhouse in terms of getting that and, and trending upward in their own regard. So on the trending downward side, I think you've got a guy like Dante Burton and Deron Harrell, some of these guys that I thought Dante Burton, and, and I, know, I know some of these guys have been banged up, Samar Melvin too, but it sounds like these other two are maybe making a jump to to compete for that third spot. You probably need at least a fourth corner, but someone in that secondary group is probably going to be trending downward from from where they expected to be. So whether it's Harrell or Burton or Samara Melvin, there's only so many cornerback reps available, and with with those two kind of emerging more than I think some some you know some of us kind of expected. I think you might see someone in that deep cornerback room, you know, not necessarily disgruntled, but not getting nearly the reps or the playing time that they probably expected coming into spring practice. And that's, again, sometimes these guys get banged up. It's not fault of their own, but if guys are in there and getting reps, they're going to get a chance to play and and prove themselves before guys that unfortunately are not out there. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Harrell. And, and Melvin, I'm, I'm glad you brought them up in that as well because they're, they're guys who haven't really been out there for spring practice. And so and not similar to Jack Dunn, it's, it's not their fault, right? like you said. So, um, But then you look at a guy like Dante Burton who, who from all indications, has been practicing. I, I think that's a clear indicator that at least right now um, Smith and Ingram are, are playing a, a level above him right now. And, and Burton's a kid who's played a ton of football. He, he's been out there quite a bit for the Badgers, even as a freshman. So I, I think that's an interesting development, especially when you look at the fact that Dean Ingram is a class younger than him. Alexander Smith is in that same class as Burton. Um, Hicks and Williams, are, they've got one more year most likely here for, for the Badgers. Um, Hicks could have another year beyond that, if it, depending upon how it all shakes out with the NCAA. But I think the the bigger thing here is that Dante Burton is a guy that if he wants to kind of reassert himself and get back into it, he's going to need a, a nice, uh, you know, end of spring, good fall camp to, to try to make sure that he's also in that rotation because he's a kid that I think both of us assumed was going to be um, in the thick of things for a, a spot. Yeah, and, I, and I, to kind of add to that, I think part of it is, you know, Hank Poteet and the the new position coach, you come in with a fresh set of eyes that, you know, outside, you know, he kind of mentioned outside of kind of getting a baseline from Jim Leonard of the players that 
you know, what he knew about the players. It was all his eyes kind of watching and learning about who he's got. And it was clear that in his presser, he, he had a confidence and a trust in Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram to go along with, of course, the two you know older guys in Williams and, and Hicks that way. So part of it might be that, you know, a new position coach coming in, seeing him with fresh eyes and saying, you know, these are the guys that right now are impressing me. And, and right now some other guys uh, have some work to do. And again, for the other ones, the couple that have been banged up, um, you know, when you've got a new position coach that you really probably only talk to if you haven't been out there for spring practice and really only seen in winter conditioning, stuff like that, that makes a big difference. So, and I'm sure similar to the wide receiver room with, with Elvis Witted, um, you know, these new position coaches, you're coming in with, you know, a clean slate and you can either kind of make or break yourself depending on how you impress at, at, with those position coaches. Um, kind of looking at it beyond just a, a specific player, I, I think – uh, what comes to mind for me is just the running backs room in general um, is is something that I think we all had high hopes for this group that spring practice would be a space for Isaac Rando, Julius Davis to kind of battle out to see who would end up being, um, you know, RB2 behind Jalen Berger. And really we haven't seen much of Jalen Berger. We haven't seen much of Julius Davis and we haven't seen much of Isaac Rando. And, I think that's a, a pretty significant thing. I know it's just spring practice, and there's a full off season of health and importance and reps, and then there's fall camp. But this this time was was really looked at it as as something that could really help all three of those guys. And I know Brady Shipper is a guy who's who's taking advantage of of extra opportunities and is proving that hey he can be reliable. But but I think in their heart of hearts, um, new running the new running backs coach would be dying to have a guy like Isaac Rendo be healthy, Jalen Berger to be healthy, Julius Davis be healthy, so that he could really see a, a full competition for that running back two spots. And, and I'm sure he'll get it. But a guy like Isaac Rendo, where that hamstring issue has been popping up, Julius Davis, Davis has had some injury issues of his own as well. So I'm guessing they're being a little cautious with this group, but it doesn't change the fact that there's not a ton of experience between those three guys, and you can include Brady Shipper, those four guys here. Um, Jalen Berger's got by far the most, but he was still a true freshman last year um, and, and like 19 years old. So he's still a kid at this point, and, and hopefully they can they can get right and, and bounce back. But I think that's something that's trending down right now. I think expectations of the running back depth chart is, is trending down a little bit, at least in my eyes, and I know that that's – Probably indicative of I I thought that Isaac Grendo would grab that running back two spot. I thought he would hopefully be able to stay healthy and do that because they wanted him to be. He was one of the top three backs going into the fall last year. He he was right away getting a lot of carries when, when what we were able to see, and and then another injury popped up. So I'm hopeful that that shifts. But right now, I think just the way that things are trending with the running back room can't be looked at as a huge positive light. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think you are you hit the nail on the head there with in terms of I, I don't know how negative you can make it just because you haven't seen a lot of guys, but it's certainly not a good thing that the guys aren't getting reps and getting out there and, and growing in spring practice because you're seeing it. I mean, we'll get to the trending upward. There's a lot of guys that are, are blossoming and doing really well and taking advantage of the reps. And, of course, with the injuries and, and the guys being banged up, a guy like Brady Shipper is part of that. But at the same time, you you really would have liked to see this whole group taking a step forward and, and really uh, emerging 
Um, and, and, and so far, that running back room hasn't been the case. I would say coming into fall, all of a sudden, it, it's kind of a little bit of concern. You've got Jalen Berger, who's, I think, a very reliable and going to be a strong running back, but you've you've wanted to maybe see him out there for spring practice, a guy that hasn't gone through it before, be able to get some reps. You wanted to maybe go into into fall camp with a little bit more clear of a picture um, you know, that Jalen Burke is your starter. You've got Isaac Rendo and Julius Davis battling for the two spot, and you've got, you know, Brady Shipper can maybe be your third down guy, and then you've got some young guys coming in, see where they're at, see where they fit. I would say right now it's it's Jalen Berger based on what you saw last year uh, in terms of a starter, and then kind of a muddy picture uh, after that in terms of who's really going to be in there, and, and that's concerning a little bit for – a program that, you know, thankfully they've got a deep wide receiver room and a, a quarterback that I think will be better, but for the most part relies on the run game to, to really make their offense click. So I, I think that's definitely a great point that right now the, the running back room as a whole is trending downward into maybe more of a concern level for sure. You want to get into some, some upwards now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's Let's get out of this negative zone <laughs> and get into some positives. All right, well, I'll start off with the, the upwards. I was kind of impressed with some of the tight end room um, you know, comments yesterday when I was reading back and or listening back and writing up a recap of that. Um, Jalen Franklin and Jack Eschenbach seem like guys that are, are really impressing and trending upward. Um, you know, Mickey Turner really had a, a lot of, of positives to say about both of them, and, and the rest of the group kind of went off the same thing. You know, Jack Eschenbach sounds like, He's going to be a guy that can be a receiving option, you know, this year and, you know, once next year as, as Jake Ferguson moves on, um, could be a guy that steps into that role. Jalen Franklin, the same thing, him going through spring practice, kind of learning the tight end room. They, they, they made it known that his athleticism, his size, his speed was really standing out in terms of um, some positives that way. So I, I think this tight end room as a whole, and of course you've got Ruth, mentioned he's, he's really focused on the blocking but starting to take more reps and really um, hone in on the, the pass catching as well so from a couple of years ago this this position group struggling to find even bodies to play to now having an established starter in Jake Ferguson guys emerging in Jalen Franklin and uh, Jack Eschenbach and, and Hayden Rucci I think this group is is really kind of um, coming into their own and and I think Mickey Turner is, seems to have a strong group that he was really high on uh, going into and, and throughout the spring practice. Yeah, I like that you brought up that group because that wasn't one that I would, had even like crossed my mind. But then you also add in the fact that in addition to Ashenbach, Franklin, um, and Rucci and, and Ferguson, you also have a bunch of young guys mm-hmm. kind of behind them. I know Clay Cundiff is, is kind of in the same age range here as Rucci, but then you've got Cam Large, who's a class behind that, Cole Dakovich, who's a class behind that, and then you've got a, a really young guy in Jack Poo, who's who's going through his first spring, first practices at the college level. So I think the future is bright at the tight end position. You you can see what they're trying to build as, with that group, and, and hopefully that uh, trend continues because I like that you brought that group up. Yeah, I, I was really just kind of excited uh, for what they were doing and what they were bringing and, and the depth that they've got there. And even Jake Ferguson sounds like he's really made some strides to be more of a leader um, and, and playing a lot better and more consistent. So I think as a whole, the tight end group is something – to go off of a, a deep wide receiver room, hopefully, could be uh, positive. But who do you got on your, your positive side? 
Yeah, so I, I'm going to go to the defensive line, and I'm going to say Rodas Johnson. Um, I, I think he's a kid where you looked at the complexion of the defensive line with um, a couple key personnel gone. You're, you're losing um, uh, Isaiah Loudermilk. You're losing Garrett Rand. Two, two consistent guys who were in your lineup for multiple seasons helped you out along that line for – for uh, in a variety of roles, especially Garrett Rand, who popped inside and outside frequently. Um, and it looked like there's opportunity and there's need for depth there. Um, I think you got to feel pretty good with Matt Henningsen. He's a guy who was one of their, their best and most explosive defensive linemen that they had, um, created a lot of impact when he was healthy, missed a bunch of last year. Isaiah Mullins, another kid who I think they're really high on and are expecting to be um, the other defensive end starter, and then you've got a really solid core two or a tandem, I should say, at nose tackle. But then the question arises, like, who's behind them? And, and or is anybody going to fight Isaiah Mullins for that other defensive end spot? And Rodas Johnson sounds like he just came in like a bat out of hell and has played really good, um, which I think is is a testament to Ross Kalaji, who's, you know, this is his his first spring as a quote-unquote position coach working through it after leaving the strength room. And I think you're seeing Rodas Johnson seeing, having more opportunities and taking advantage of it. He was a high three-star, low four-star kid, kind of in that fringe level that Wisconsin usually does so well with. And, and he's doing um, some nice things. Hopefully he can give them – um, a nice rotational piece on that defensive end because you do need to keep bodies fresh, especially against a run-heavy team that you might have to go up against in the Big Ten. So I think the development of Rodas Johnson's big and and should help them out because he's a kid who's who's quick. He's he's a little lighter than some of the guys, a little shorter, but but man, he's got some burst and hopefully he can help them out this year. And I think his his um, career arc is definitely trending in a positive direction. Yeah, and I, I think for for that group, that was something that you needed to see in spring practice. Similar to, to kind of circle back to that running back conversation, you wanted to see someone emerge to, to give you some of that depth. You've got some players in there that you're confident in, but I think a strong spring from someone on the defensive line was, was certainly would be a really big positive when you look at the guys and, and Rand and Loudermouth being gone. You needed someone to to kind of take that emergence and, t- and take a step up. So for for Rodas Johnson to take that on is is huge. I think for the the depth of the defensive line as a whole to to go into the the fall camp again with some guys that impressed you in spring and if they can follow that up and be impressive in fall, um, I think will be huge. So I think that defensive line position as a whole um, is is certainly was certainly looking for someone to step up and thankfully they did and and hopefully that continues into. Um, you know, the rest of this spring ball and, and throughout the, the gap and the pause and then into to fall camp. Because if they continue to get better, I think that uh, only gives this defense where maybe that was the one point of, of real big concern uh, on the defensive end positions, um, some life and some confidence that you can feel good about what you've got there. For sure. Do you want to do one more each and get yeah, out of here? Yeah, I've got in terms of a player a positive, I know we've talked about it a little bit um, already, but Jack Nelson um, really seeming to step up and, and all of a sudden be a guy that that's certainly probably going to be and if not you know going to be contend for a starting spot on the offensive line. You knew that he had all the talent there. I thought coming into spring ball he was a guy that would maybe push or contend or 
maybe work into a, a starting spot later as the season went on. But it sounds like he, from all what we've heard, has came in and, and really had a strong spring and has worked himself into that starter kind of group. And so I would I would be surprised at now at this point if he wasn't a starter for that opener um, against Penn State that way. So he's been impressive. Um, you know, from where he's went, you know, we heard he in pra- we heard about him in practice last year that he was he was playing well and emerging. But um, you know, so now for him to be in that uh, kind of starting group is is good. But on the flip side, there's going to be someone that is on that deep offensive line depth chart that maybe gets squeezed out and pushed out because I think he's maybe a little bit ahead of schedule than uh, than where he was. You know, maybe coming into spring ball. I'm glad you you brought him up because he was one of the guys that I had um, circled on on my list as well. I think. It, it's it's pretty telling that he is um, entered spring in that depth chart at right guard. They want to get Joe Rudolph likes to get his top five out there, and not only is he in there, but they they moved players to get him there. So I think that's usually pretty telling about how badly they think he should be in the lineup, how talented he is. Um, it, it's essentially them saying that they think that right now he's playing a step ahead of Logan Brown, who who. Most people anticipated, ourselves included, that he would be the left tackle going into this next year. Um, they moved Beach over there. And, and we'll see kind of if that changes at all. But, but as of right now, I think Jack Nelson is definitely a kid that um, you look at what he could represent in his career as a five-star kid who's a, a really good size for a guard. I mean, he's a little tall at six seven, But he, he's the guy that I think could be um, – a, a future early round pick based off of kind of the pedigree he has, how talented he is, and and how early he's going to be seen in the field with the Badgers. So I think I think he's a guy that for sure is is trending in a, in a really nice way. And it's great to see. Anyone else that you've got on your positive side? Uh, I'll I'll just I'll just use, use his name and won't go into too much detail. But um, grammar. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I, I had that down as well. I was like, do I want to? Do I want to do it? I I was trying to be like, all right, maybe we'll talk about someone else. But but yeah, grammar sounds like he is 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 improving, and I think we all expected that. Um, and and I think everything around him kind of being back to normal will only allow him to to get better. So. I think that's a, a great pick at the end and one that I wanted to hit on. I was just sitting there just yeah. kind of chewing on it. I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't want it to turn into a 20-minute conversation, so I was just it like. It very well could have. <laughs> oh, for sure. But very but basically well the re- the rationale for why I said him is it sounds like he's taking care of the football better and um, not pressing. And, and I think that's the most important thing for him in terms of his development right now. He's got the arm talent he and all that He's, he's still learning the playbook, all, all, all of the other finer nuances of being a quarterback. But from all indications, he's taking better care of the football and and is um, not trying to force the issue. And I think that's the biggest thing for, for him to, to take into next year because if he can, can bring up some of his, his um, other numbers and bring down the turnovers, I think the Badgers will be in good shape. I think that's a great way to end it. You always like to work. I, I always like to have Graham Mertz worked into the conversation. So that's a good way, a good place to stop. He's um, turning into Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Got to work it in there for sure. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up our episode of the podcast. Um, we'll be back next week. We'll we'll have um, you know Owen on, Owen Reese, um, to talk about the NFL draft a little bit, talk about 
um, the the players with Wisconsin um, that are of course entering into that pool. I know not a not a ton in terms of first couple day guys, but um, there is a group that is end, entering that NFL draft, so we'll kind of get him on um, and, and have that whole conversation similar to what we did around this time last year. So looking forward to that. Thank you guys as always for listening. Enjoy your weekend on Wisconsin.